Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome everybody to the Assembly of Yahweh Seventh Day. Um, It's my honor to be able to stand in front of you today and and talk to you and and, and give you a message. I pray that there's uh, it's worth your time. Um, My name is Kyle Wilkes. For you guys who don't know me, um, I have four kids and a wife. My wife is Julie. Uh, My four four kids is Bree, Rez, Carver, and Brixley. Call Brixley the Bricks Mix because she's kind of the wild and crazy one of the family. Um, my subject today is gonna is gonna talk a lot about agriculture, and as I talk about it, you'll realize I don't know much about it, but that's never stopped me before from talking about things. So, um, but it's gonna have to do a lot with the mind. So it seems like today we're in a lot of not only spiritual warfare, but I think sometimes mental warfare with the enemies. You know, it says in the Bible that it's not the it's not the physical battle that we're in. It's a spiritual battle. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, and, you know, we're going to I'm going to give you some examples, stuff to think about, some stuff that I found um, revealing and interesting, and I hope you will too. Um, so I'll just tell you up front. Uh, I read a book. This book was called "As a Man Thinketh," and I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote that book quite a bit because um, it has some rough. It was roughly kind of based on some biblical principles. Uh, it was published in 1903. So. Anything published in 1903 has to be pretty decent. So let me talk about the mind a little bit. The mind is something that we control over over anything else. So like nobody can take our thoughts. Nobody can take our knowledge of good and evil. If we know something is right, no matter what someone does to us, they can't take that away. If we know something is wrong... No matter what somebody does, or they can't take that away. We control our mind. It's very, very important that as we go through life, that we keep that in mind. When we control our mind, we hopefully control our thoughts. So nothing happens in this life without first having a thought. And then a thought produces an action, and an action produces a result. <clears throat> This can be summed up in a rule that I called the me-be rule. The me-be rule is simply, if everything and if everyone acted like me, how would it be? So that's the, that's the me-be rule. Maybe we should call it the be-weeble rule. I don't know. But anyway, if you want to turn to Psalms 23, verse 1, we'll kind of, we're going to read, uh, read through this these chapters, um, and we're going to focus in on chapter, I mean, on verse 7. It says, When thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife to thy throat. If thou be a man given to appetite, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. 
Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye. Neither desire thy his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Let's read, let's read verse 7 again. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it says, it says it as he thinketh. But I think we could each one put our own self in that exact spot. As we thinketh, so are we. Because once again, it's our thoughts that creates action, which creates circumstance. So James Allen, uh, who wrote the book, As a Man Thinketh, published in 1903, he said this, a person's mind may be likened to a garden, which may be intelligently cultivated or allowed to run wild, but whether cultivated or neglected, it must and will bring forth. If no useful seeds are put in it, then an abundance of useless weed seeds will fall therein and will continue to produce their kind. So I've got some experience with this. Uh, at my house, um, I decided I was going to plow one time. And I went out and I bought a plow. I hooked it up. And my wife told me there was more to plowing than just one plow. You need some other uh, tools to do so. But anyway, it didn't matter. I went out and I plowed this field in my back 40 there. Um, and then I started reading about the seeds that I had bought. And apparently I should have been plowing months earlier for these particular seeds. So I never actually planted anything. But if you go and you look at the field I planted, you'll just see all these weeds have grown up. I would submit to you that that's how our mind works. If we're not putting good things in, our mind is going to produce something. It's up to us. It's up to what we put in it. It's up to how we live. It's up to what's in our heart. It's what that produce will be. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. <clears throat> Proverbs 24, verse 30 says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sins. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty, poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. So this scripture is talking a little bit about laziness, but I think the correlation is very close because nothing of value is produced without effort and work. And that's kind of how our mind is. That's definitely how a garden or a field is. There's work. If you want something of value to be produced, you've got to put work into it. You have to diligently search. You have to diligently do action to make something happen, to bring forth the good fruit that we all want in our lives. So <clears throat> I told you it was, we were going to talk a lot about gardening and agriculture. Uh, 
So this past year, me and my wife, once again, we're, we're hard at it, uh, building a garden. We built a garden and um, planted a bunch of stuff. We planted these tomato, tomato bushes, plants, and they grew up and they started making a bunch of tomatoes. But when they started making these tomatoes, I was reminded that we didn't just, this didn't just happen to us. We didn't just get to this point where we could plant these tomatoes and, and create tomato plants. When we were younger, probably, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago now, me and Julie also planted tomato plants that we were hopeful would create tomatoes. And they didn't. And it was the weirdest thing because they were beautiful green tomato plants. We watered them and we took good care of them, but they never made tomatoes. So one day I'm out there at the tomato garden with my wife and I'm watching these tomato plants, um, and she sees this little yellow flower, and she walks over and just, boom, takes it off. And then she walks, and then she walks over, and there's another little yellow flower, and she just takes that one off. I'm like, Julie, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm keeping the bugs away. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, yeah, so, so Kyle. So I, I don't know a lot about gardening. She goes, Kyle, yeah, so if you pluck all the flowers, the bugs don't come. And she is right. They don't. They don't come. Like, but the tomatoes don't come either. The tomatoes don't come either. So I think she was talking about maybe it's a, a potato plant. Maybe that's how you do it in potatoes. I've never planted potatoes. But you learn, right? As we go through life and we're cultivating our mind, we're learning how to keep out the bad and hopefully keep in the good. It's a process. It says in the Bible, you, we grow up to salvation, right? So we learned and years later, we got some tomatoes. Uh, turn to Luke chapter six, verse 44. Uh, Luke 6, 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Indeed, figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes from brambles. The good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is Joshua telling us here? He's telling us that we have, we have the ability to judge and look at a situation or somebody and, and judge, like, hey, if this, is, if this is good, if this is right, it's going to produce good. That's the, way, that's the way we are. If our minds are doing the right things, good will come out of it. If we're doing the wrong things, wrong will come out of it. But we have to know that. A good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So if you, what we think about and what we let in is always going to ultimately show itself in action. You know, so when, when you, if you've been around somebody, thought was a good guy, 
And, you know, you thought, well, he still could have been a good guy. But, you know, if something happens and then they just instantly say a swear word, run. Well, maybe that wasn't the first time they ever said that, most likely. But sometimes when something's in us, it's just, it's just what it says. The overflow of the heart is going to come out. It's going to come out. So how do we counteract that? Well, we counteract that by a lifelong cultivation of our minds, a lifelong battle to keep evil out and good in and to search our hearts, search our minds. <clears throat> James Allen says it, says it this way. Good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. We understand this law in the natural world, speaking of like agriculture, but this is also true in the spiritual world. In our society today, we have to be so careful what we allow our eyes to see, what we allow our ears to hear, and our minds to think. I believe like so for me, sometimes if I'm thinking a bad thought, you have to literally tell yourself, I'm not going to think that and think of something else. We have, I believe we have that ability to shut things off, block things out that we shouldn't dwell on, you know, and a lot of it is also who we hang around and what we hang around. Some type of music we listen to makes us think certain thoughts and other types of music we listen to makes us think other things. So what should we do? We should listen to something that's going to produce the best fruit. We must guard our hearts and our minds. Um, turn to Matthew 13, 24. So this is uh, this scripture that we're going to read is actually talking about um, the kingdom of heaven, but we're going to use it in a little different way. If everybody's good with that, uh, Matthew 13, 24, another parable put he forth unto them saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while you gather the snares, your ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together, first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but, but gather the wheat into my barn. So in this scripture, Yahshua was talking about the kingdom of heaven, but I want to look at it in a little different way, in just the way that when wheat and tares are little, you can't tell them apart sometimes. And sometimes we experience things in our life where if we're not if we're not studying the Bible and looking through it, sometimes it's hard to, you know, there's gray areas that we encounter in our lives and we're not sure. But as things mature, 
if we're, if we know the commandments and we know what the Bible says and we're studying, we have a relationship with God, you're going to start seeing the fruit and you're going to know, okay, I got to take this out of my life, right? I got to take this out of my life. As, as the fruit starts to be produced or as you start seeing results, you can go in and say, you know what? I don't need this. I, this has maybe been a part of my life for a while, but it's a time in my life where I need to take this and get it out. So if, if we have an issue, if we have something that we know is bringing forth bad fruit, there's no time like today to take that and put it away. Um, back in, I'll tell you another story of me attempting to bring forth some food. So I don't know, man, if, if, we, if we were not, if HEB shuts down, our family's in trouble. I don't know about y'all's. So in Y2K, um, I decided, you know what? I need to plant some wheat because we were worried about Y2K, you know, everything shutting down. There was, you know, you didn't know if it was going to happen, but like, hey, you know, we should probably prepare a little bit. So I was sitting around and I said, you know what? I need to find a tractor. And I knew a guy who had a tractor. So I called my grandpa. I said, Grandpa, I'd like to do a little plowing. You have a tractor. Can I come up and borrow it? I'm going to plow a field. And my grandpa, of course, was like, yeah, plow's a little, little old, but I'm sure we can get it working. So I was kind of one of these guys. Like, I just wanted to like, jump in there and mean, get plowing, you know? Grandpa was a little bit more, let's, you know, and let's not be Mr. Right now. Let's be Mr. Right. And let's just kind of go through the process. So I got, I got up there with Grandpa, and I'm like, he's like, I'll show you the plow, Kyle. So we went out to this place, looked at this plow. It was the oldest, rustiest plow I'd ever seen. Ah, and it had two flat tires. He's like, I think we can fix these tires. So we worked. So I had, you know, I was a bricklayer, so I mean, I had, a, I had this other side job known as making a living. So I'd have Sunday. That was the day I could do the plowing. I had to get after it. So I worked with Grandpa, and we got, you know, got the, the tires fixed, and we got it, got it all hooked up to the tractor. And the day is getting long, and it's, I mean, I'm fixing to run out of daylight to do my plowing. And, <clears throat> but I'm all set now, so I'm fixing to take off. I'm on the tractor. I'm so proud. On the tractor, I got my plow, fixing to save the family from starvation, about to take off, and the screen door opens. And my grandpa sends out, and he's like, whoa, whoa. And I'm like, so I stop in front of his house with my plow, and he's like, hold on. My grandpa had a limp, so he, he walks. He's walking to his shed. He's in there a little while. Then he comes walking out and he has one of these old timey oil cans with the spout that goes up and down like this. It's like you see in the cartoons now. And he walks up to this rusty plow and he takes that oil can. <laughs> and I don't know how he knew exactly where to put the oil, but he's a smart guy. He knew. He goes, <laughs> and I was off. Uh, and I was off. And I took off knowing we, we had put the oil in the and just, But hey, when I got out there, let me tell you something about the plow. It was old. It was rusty. Hadn't been used in a while. But it worked just fine. 
right? So sometimes, depending on where we are in life, there's things that, you know, maybe there's, you know, maybe that Bible is a little, a little dusty uh, and ain't been used in a while, but it's never too late. It's never too late to go get that and go through it because it'll work just fine. That mind that maybe you haven't spent a lot of time cultivating in the past, or maybe you've known you should do a little bit more, there's no time like now to take that step and go do it and do a little bit more and just start. <clears throat> when you go in and you're weeding a garden, you don't necessarily, I mean, you don't just go crazy, right? You, hey, there's some good here. Let's keep the good and let's get rid of the weeds. That's, that's what we've, that's what we've got to do. As I said earlier, you know, before anything good can happen, before anything bad can happen, it all starts with a thought. It all starts with a thought that becomes an action, which becomes a result. You're in this room because you have made decisions in your life to get you to where you are. Circumstances affect everyone, but there's decisions that we make with our mind that ultimately dictate where our, where we wind up in life. Uh, turn to Matthew 22 verse 34. And you guys have read this scripture uh, a thousand times, I'm sure. But I want you to think about something as we, as we read it. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Yahshua said unto him, Thou shalt love Yahweh, thy Elohim, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So when we read this, this is what the, this is the two like golden rules. Everybody calls them the golden rule. And they talk about the greatest commandment. And if you do the greatest commandment, the second one's almost an automatic, right? Treat everybody like you want to be treated. But what does this require? What does this, to do these things that Yahshua said to do, what does it require? It doesn't require riches. It doesn't require food. It doesn't really require much anything. It requires the mind. It requires your mind to say, I'm going to do certain things. I'm going to think certain ways. I'm going to pursue Yahweh with all my heart, my soul, my mind. It doesn't, there's no physical thing that we have to necessarily do that we can't do in our minds. The outer conditions of a person's life will always be found to be harmoniously related to his inner state. Men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. 
That's what James Allen wrote in that book. And I want to read that last part because I think if you, if we think about this, it's very true. It says men do not attract that which they want, but that which they are. And I think that is in some ways just a natural rule that's, that Yahweh has built in to our ecosystem is we don't attract the things we want. We attract what we are inside the thoughts that the thoughts that we have in our minds and how we control those, whether good or evil, it takes us to a place. It surrounds us with a certain character of people. Philippians uh, chapter four, verse seven says, and the peace of Yahweh, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Yeshua. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. He's saying, let's put our mind and our thoughts on good. And that takes effort. That takes an actual, I'm going to make up my mind to do certain things and think certain thoughts. You know, uh, I read something that said, it was talking about, it goes, it, said, it goes, if you, the excuses that people hear for not going to church or not showing up or doing this, if you were to take those same excuses and liken them to anything else, it would sound absurd, right? And we've all heard it. We've all heard all the reasons, wow, I'm not, I'm not going for this. So let's just say you take it to the, you know, washing. You know, hey, you know what? Hey, why don't you wash? Well, I don't wash these days because I was forced to as a child. And they're like, like, well, why don't you, why don't you wash? Well, I don't wash because the people making soap, they're only in it for the money. I used to wash, but it was so boring, right? If you let's, it sounds crazy, but you can almost tell that people will use those same excuses as to like, why are you not pursuing salvation? Why are you not pursuing and they'll, get, they'll say stuff. They'll say, well, you know what? I'm going to wait till I'm older and dirtier. Then I'm going to wash. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it seems crazy. We have to today decide what we are to be. <clears throat> okay, I told you. I warned you early on. You're going to get a lot of James Allen quotes. I mean, I just... Uh, this book, this book is called As a Man Thinketh, and I think everybody should, every young kid should have to listen to this book or read it or, or however you want to uh, take it, you know, but it's, uh, I mean, that's kind of, that's what I'm going to make my kid do, especially for boys. I think it relates a little bit more to boys and some of the things he talks about. But anyway, he says, a particular train of thought persisted in, whether good or bad, cannot fail to produce its results. A man cannot directly choose his circumstances, but he can choose his thoughts and so indirectly, but surely shape his circumstances. What he's saying there is, hey, there's going to be some things that happen in your life that you cannot, you cannot affect. Like it just happens. Like you get, you get handed a certain deck of cards sometimes, but how we react to those circumstances, we each have that ability to affect. And to change the thoughts that we have about that. When we, uh, you know, there's some things in life that happen 
And the only thing really we can do is to just get over it. Well, it happened. It's not my fault. Nobody can change it. I got to move on. It happened. There's, there's life circumstances that happen to us that the only thing we can do is react to those and use our positive mindset and use our relationship. If we spend, we don't want to be the high school quarterback who's 45 years old, still saying, if the coach didn't put me in and I didn't twist my ankle, I could have went pro. You don't want to be that guy. You want to be the guy who got over it and moved on and went and planted good seed and did something and built for the kingdom. <clears throat> but I will tell you, we don't, we live in a society where there's so much, so much going on uh, that you feel like mentally you're almost under that. You feel like, you know, and we live in a little bit of a victimized society. Like, oh, everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. So I, I, I get that. So my daughter was telling me this story that I found hilarious. So with her permission, she said I could, I could talk about it. So I'm going to because it, it is kind of like sometimes you just got to like shake off the craziness and be like, that's crazy. Just move on. So she was telling me she's going to college and in college racism is a big deal. Like they kind of is around all the time, like kind of this era. So they're always talking about this or that or who's, who's doing this and who's doing that. Well, uh, she, her and one of her friends were sitting there, you know, outside of class waiting for one of their other friends to pick them up. And they're sitting there and they had came out of, of some class where one of the subject matters was, was racism, which Hey, I'm against racism. Uh, but, and they're sitting there and the girl says, looks at Bree and goes, Bree, man, we're always kind of talking about this stuff. She's like, it's kind of weird. I think it's affecting me. She's like, what are you talking about? She says, well, somebody called me a Mexican and I got upset. Just started thinking about it. I was like, wait, I am a Mexican. And Bree, Bree told her, she goes, I know what you mean. She goes, somebody told me I danced like a white girl. And I was kind of took offense at it. And then I was like, wait a second. I am a white girl. She's like, I know. I think they're getting to us. <laughs> and that's how it can seem sometimes. There's just like, at the point you're like, what am, I, what am I even thinking about? Like, this is crazy. Let's focus on the good. Let's cultivate the bad. And let's live to build the kingdom. <clears throat> Turn to Matthew 13, 1. Matthew 13, 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the way, wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith 
they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit. Some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some forty, thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. So look at let's let's recap. So now she was talking about the sower spreading seeds. The seeds are the word of Yahweh. So he spreads. He gives everybody these seeds. We're the we're the ground. We're the soil. So the first one, when the birds came down and ate it. They got seeds, but they rejected them. They said, we don't want, no, we don't want none of that. And they were quickly devoured by the birds. Some of the others, they fell on, they fell on some decent soil, but it wasn't deep. It wasn't, it couldn't really get roots. So as soon as the sun came up, it withered away. And others fell among the thorns and were choked out. So the seeds that fell on the shallow dirt, we've seen, we've seen, in faith, you, you see it. You see people who didn't take it in and dwell on it or, or were on fire at first and then they just fade away. It's extremely sad. It's extremely sad. They didn't cultivate their mind. They didn't stay in the word. You, they, didn't, they didn't understand it. Yahshua tells us there's going to be some hard times if we're following him. If we're following that example, there's going to be some tough times. And then you have the seeds that grew up and were choked out by the other plants. I take that as a warning to us that we've got to be careful of our surroundings and who we hold close, who we put around us. You know, we don't want to get choked out or get taken away by the ways of the world or influenced. You know, you've heard of influencers out there where there's good ones and there's bad ones. We don't want those bad influencers to take us. Everyone receives the seed, the word of Yahweh. Everyone has potential for the harvest. Everyone can bring forth a living fruit. We want to be this. We want to be the ground that when we hear the word, we take hold of the word and we multiply the word so that we can cultivate into somebody else and breathe into somebody else what we have been given. We got to plant not only in our own minds, but we got to plant in the minds of people around us. So in, <clears throat> I want to kind of dust that. So in Psalms chapter one, verse one, uh, down to verse three, I'm going to read this real fast. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set forth on the path of sinners or set in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither and who prospers in all he does. So in, in verse one, it says it has this word blessed. I just want to cover this real fast. So blessed is not like, I mean, a lot of times when we hear the word blessed today, we think of like this material things. But blessed, you can be the richest person in the world and be cursed, or you can be the poorest and be extremely blessed, kind of like what Walker was talking about. So in this sense, blessed means favorite of Yahweh, a relationship. You've got something, right? But as we think about 
the power of our minds and what we let in and what we do. Sometimes the most powerful thing that we can do for ourselves is to not do certain things. Notice it says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who doesn't set his foot on the path. So for a lot of the men here, if you, uh, remember Jocko was here last week and he talked about this train track, this path that starts at train station one and you, once you get on it, you wind up at train station 56, which is a really, really dark place. That resonated with me when he talked about don't set your foot on that path. Don't let, don't let that weed seed have the ability to cultivate evil in our minds. Let's pluck it out. We have to pluck it out by continually. Anybody who has a garden, and a lot of you guys probably do, you leave that garden for just very long at all, and there's these weeds popping up everywhere. At least that's where my gardens work. You got to constantly be plucking out the bad. Constantly be plucking out the bad. And it says, and don't sit in the seat of the mockers. But what does it, it also says some other stuff here. In verse two, it says, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And on his law, he meditates, meditates. Meditate is you're using your mind. You're using your thought. You're thinking about things that are spiritually good. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit in seasons, whose leaf does not wither. So I really like how it talks about whose leaf does not wither. So when you're from Texas, when you're when in Texas, like that, that means something to you when you talk about leaves that don't wither, right? We're the ones that aren't going to, we're not going to shoot up and fall away. We're not going to get ate up by the weeds around us. And we're not going to let the birds get us. We're going to be the leaf that doesn't wither. We're going to be the evergreen trees. Like you'll notice out here in Texas, everybody loves trees, but we really love our evergreen trees, especially a, a good pine tree. Like You've got guys in Texas who were literally water pine trees their whole life because, man, I like that tree. It's, it's different. You go, to, you go to Louisiana, and they're cutting these things down like they're a weed or a nuisance. But here, sorry, but here, we like those leaves. We like those leaves that don't wither. And that's what we are to be. We are to be the leaf that don't wither. We must be the people who don't stop. We must train our minds. You know, as, as we mature and our faith grows, it should produce in us a calmness. Uh, a calmness, a level of self-control, of pace, patience, but a stillness because we know that our salvation rests in Yahweh and his son Yahshua. When all else is going crazy, when the whole world is on fire, we should have this inner peace knowing, hey, we knew it'd be like this. Yeshua died for us. And that's where, that is where we're putting our faith. That's where we are putting our thoughts. That's where we're putting our trust. So Matthew 10 verse 22 says, you will be hated by everyone because of my name. But the one who first perseveres to the end will be saved. Now, don't get me wrong. Having said all that, 
I do understand that on a, our life can seem like a lot of crisis, right? You have a lot of crisis in life. It seems like you go from this crisis to that crisis to this crisis to that crisis. So there's a lot going on. And that can be draining and exhausting, right? And sometimes you can say, well, I'm tired of doing right. I'm tired of always fighting the good fight and doing good things. And it seems like it doesn't matter because there's 200 things to every good thing that happens. There's a thousand bad things that are happening, right? Goes back to exactly what we just talked about, our faiths in Yahweh. We knew it'd be like this. Joshua said, if you endure to the end, you will be saved. And we will be hated. So Og Medino, he said it like this. He says, in life, you have three crises that people go through as they grow up that are at different levels. And they affect everybody differently. For young people, you have what they call the identity crisis. The identity crisis is where you're just trying to figure out how you fit into the mix, where you are in the world. And you're making decisions, whether you know it or not, you're making decisions in those formidable years from 15 to 22 or whatever the age bracket is, it varies, that will change how your path goes. So you got to be careful. But that's what they call the identity crisis. Like, hey, where do I fit in? Do I take this job? Do I take that job? Where am I going to live? And then as you get older, you have the reality crisis. In the reality crisis, you wake up one day and you said, I don't know if my parents told me the truth. They said I could be president and I'm the f not going to be president. You realize that you realize that's not my calling. And you just kind of start to realize that, hey, my life is going to be a certain way, whether that's good, whether you're in love with it or what. It's just this is kind of kind of how it's going to be. My options when I was two on my on my daddy's knee were this much. And now they're kind of narrowed down. Like, right. You've kind of went. You've made a path here. But we need to get on the path of righteousness. We need to think about all what we can do where we are. And we need to work towards that. But that's, that's the reality crisis. And that's where, and I'm not, when you say it's a reality crisis, it's not like it would be bad. It's, for most of you guys, it's great. But it is something that you have to come to grips with. And then you have to figure out how in my place in the world, can I impact and can I kingdom build the best that I can? And then there's mortality crisis. There's going to be a time. I mean, I don't, it's crazy to think this, but the mortality crisis is there's going to become a time in all of our lives when we realize that our life is but a vapor. We're going to die and it may be far away. And that is when you get a real good gut check of like, hmm, Am I on the right path? Have I done the right things? Should I be examining closer some of the things that I need to do? Hopefully the answer is yes. Hopefully the answer is yes. But we have a huge advantage because through all the ups and downs of loss and trials and tribulations, we have our faith. We have salvation. We just have to grab it. Can you imagine not having that? Living in any kind of circumstance and not having a relationship with Yahweh and having salvation through his son. When you look around at this world and you see the worries, the fears, the anger, when you see the misery of the world, 
it's because they don't have that faith that Yahshua so freely gives us. They don't have it. And that creates a life of misery and pain. And we see it every day. Okay, I am wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. So hang in there. Oh, if you got coffee, just feel free to drink it. I get it. <clears throat> um, Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of Yahweh is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 says, For the spirit that Yahweh gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Yahweh gave us a spirit. He gave us a spirit of power. He gave us a spirit of love. And he gave us a spirit of self-discipline. He gave us the ability to get the weeds out of our garden. Proverbs 28, 26. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. I like the first part of that a lot. It says those who trust in themselves are fools. Our faith needs to be in Yahweh because that's the only way any of us make it out alive. Psalms 139.23 says, Search me, O Yahweh, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Listen, we all have anxious thoughts. That's, that's human nature. David had anxious thoughts, right? But he also knew, hey, look at my heart. I'm doing, I'm living as best I can, as best I know to do. I'm doing it. I get anxious sometimes. You know, we all have trials and tribulations. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of Yahweh is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We got to get our hearts right and our minds right, because that is ultimately how we're going to be judged. Proverbs 9.9 says, Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's the cultivating of our minds that we have to do. Look, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. So we must get our minds right. We must get our houses in order. We must get our relationship with Yahweh correct. And we must do it now. My friends, as we read earlier, Yahshua said that we will be hated for his name's sake. So if we face persecution, if they put us on trial, for our beliefs, let us all pray that we are found guilty. Thank you.